Greetings from Bologna, Italia, my new home for the year. Super exciting. Um, got a great little episode here that me and Jake recorded before I left. It's with Audrey Off the Cuff, um, a therapist, business owner, entrepreneur in the Chicago area. We had a great time talking about producing versus consuming as uh, Audrey has her own podcast too, which is really neat. But we also got into the vagal theory, which is fascinating and, and super exciting. So call to actions, make sure you go on our Instagram, follow us, like us, connect with us, uh, subscribe, write some reviews, iTunes, uh, not Spotify, but on uh, Facebook you can. So enjoy the episode and get in contact with Audrey. Check out her podcast. It's super neat, really woman-focused, but uh, yeah, enjoy I'll just record it. Okay, it's recording. It's all good. Hi, we're off. Hey, welcome back to Bold Perceptions, your uh, favorite podcast or soon-to-be favorite podcast. Sorry, uh, Audrey. She, the, our guest has a, her own podcast, but um, yeah, hey, what do we do here? We uh, connect the doers, positive energy from different perspectives around the world. We got a really neat guest here today, connected over Instagram. She's in the Chicago area, kind of a renaissance woman. She's doing all sorts of things, and uh I actually listened to one of a podcast she sent me. I thought it was pretty neat, and, and I thought it'd be a neat idea to, to have her on and, and talk about creating, talk about producing rather than just uh, consuming, and, and I found out she does a lot more than uh, just this podcast, so we're going to talk about a lot of neat stuff today. I'm back with uh, Big Jake. Good to be here yet again. Enjoying yeah. it. And we're recording on Zoom today. Audrey said check out Zoom, so uh, we're checking it out, see if it works, but um. Yeah, today's going to be fun. So Audrey, Audrey off the cuff, right? Uh, give us a little background uh, of who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Audrey Gruntz. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I just turned 33 and I've got two little kids at home, five and three years old. And I opened my own business about three years ago on maternity leave out of a necessity um, like a lot of entrepreneurs, there is a problem, um, and we want to solve it. So I took the leap of faith into business when my kids were young and that might sound scary to some people, but it was actually a really great time because I could build my life from the ground up before my kids got into their own routines and things like that. So I'm kind of someone who says to not wait till your kids get older, do it as soon as you can. And now I am an owner of two businesses and started a podcast November 1 last year and have had quite the response to it, which is great. And now I'm really just trying to create a voice and create a presence out in the public to really inspire people to go after their dreams and to do it before they've really got it all figured out. I love it. And you said create, and that's a beautiful word because we do a lot of talking about consuming and producing and, um, kind of the long-term fulfillment of creating your own stuff or the instant gratification of consuming of uh, Netflix shows, um, shitty food, a uh, bunch of different things. So, you know, you're an entrepreneur too, that's producing, that's creating. What does producing and your word you said create do for you? Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, it's an outlet to really find a place to be artistic and show what's in my heart and what's in my soul and do it in a way that's wrapped up in a business plan or business profile. So I really enjoyed art when I was a child and this is just sort of a different form. It's like, you know, I heard Rachel Hollis one time say it's pulling the levers and pushing the buttons and just seeing what makes it turn and what makes it stop. And 
just using a little bit of an engineer mind mixed with the creativity part and just producing something that is like, you know, you kind of like open your heart up and you let people peek inside and being vulnerable enough to do that's really scary. I think that's the biggest part about podcasting that people don't want to do is just be vulnerable on air. It's freeing though. Vulnerableness is freeing, isn't it? It is. And we don't do a lot of it just because we are taught to sort of keep it locked in and tight because we don't want to get hurt. But if you really practice vulnerability with the right people, it's freeing because then you're not held back by all of these critical thoughts and these feelings and judgments you have towards yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. What was the uh, thing that finally pushed you to you know, start creating and uh, start your own businesses? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a necessary pivot. So my daughter was born and there were some health concerns with her and I had a very demanding nine to five job and I was climbing a corporate ladder all while trying to get my MBA on top of the degrees I already have. So I was spread really thin and it was doable. But then when we thought my daughter was having health issues, it was no longer doable. I wanted to be home, but I'm a dual income family. I have to pull in the same income no matter what, that dollar amount can't change. And so I had to find a way to pay myself first in a business, which is sometimes not what people tell you, but I tell people to pay themselves first. And I had to do that quick. So for me, it was, you know, just being a desperate mom needing money and doing it in a way that uh, was in my wheelhouse. And it was as turnkey as possible. Sounds like your back was against the wall, huh? And that's normally when either people fold or they reach uh, new heights. Can you talk about that? The stresses of that entrepreneurship, the, the even the stresses of creating your own podcasts, creating your own things, and and how you were able to you know push forward instead of you know give up and go cry in the corner. Yeah, I mean, when you are someone who has responsibilities to your children or your spouse or employees, or you have responsibilities to an aging parent, whatever your responsibility is, when you take that to heart and serious, you have no other choice. So. You, it feels like your back's against the wall, but really it is an opportunity. If you can see it as an opportunity, a lot of people think that bad moments or unlucky situations creates more pain, creates more discomfort. But really, if you see it as an opportunity to take as much control into your hands as possible, it's a mindset. And luckily, as an athlete, as a Division One athlete, I played volleyball at Loyola Chicago, and I just have always been trained with a mindset of, well, what's next? What are we going to do to change this? What's the next best step? And just stepping back and lying down and crying is not an option. Yeah. Taking accountability for your life, huh? Yeah. You got to take accountability. And I mean, when you are a new mom, two young kids, and you've got a lot at stake, you would be surprised how far you can dig and what you can come up with in those moments. A hundred percent. And it's a, uh, it's a good feeling to, you know, take control of your life and to have it in your hands and not leave it up to somebody else or something else. What was that business you started then when the, your back was against the wall? Yeah. So because I'm a licensed clinical social worker, I have an unlimited license where I can open up a private practice and begin to see clients for psychotherapy and use insurance. So what I did was I found a sublet office and I bartered it for free. So I consulted for the company in exchange for a free office. And I started doing the paperwork with the state to get my paperwork in order. I contacted Blue Cross Blue Shield and asked to be on their panel and did the paperwork for that. A lot of paperwork, a lot of just being consistent and being determined because paperwork can just get overwhelming at times. And then I 
put it out into the world. Hey, I'm starting my own private practice. I'm accepting clients. I started marketing and I got my first few clients and I got a couple more. I got a couple more. And within six months to a year, I was overflowing and I knew that I could hire and I could hire one employee and give them the overflows and continue to market. And then I hired a second employee and a third employee and a fourth employee. And through marketing efforts and through my strategy of business, I have been since growing into a team of five therapists and three wellness coaches and serving about 200 clients a week now. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it sounds like if there's a will, there's a way. I assume you, you heard a lot of no's and you went through a lot of, uh, you know, hardships, but how'd you keep, you know, pushing or, or go ask that other person and, and go to this side and, and, and make it work? Yeah, I don't spend a lot of time thinking or worrying about the people who say no or the people who ignore the messages or people who have side comments. I really just keep focusing on the people that are saying yes to me and the types of people that are saying yes to me. OB-GYNs, OB-GYN doctors say yes to me more so than another doctor does. And so I go after them because I would rather focus on my small pool of people saying yes and growing that web of networks than focusing on a wide variety of people and hearing more no's. So I kind of narrow in and find my people who are going to support me and I'm going to support them back. And I have grown my business 100% attributed to partnering with other businesses outside of my field to access people that I otherwise wouldn't access. For example, I will partner with a gym and do a mindset workshop for their members. I'll, I'll partner with a boutique and I'll contact their customers and do a networking event in the boutique for customers who are considering starting a new career. So I go outside of my field and partner with businesses that have a reach that I can't access. It sounds like you, uh, you really applied the 80, 20 rule. So you really focused on that 20% built it from there and, and weren't too worried about that the rest, the 80 and, and losing focus and, and you're staying on path. Now, a lot of people have a rough time with dealing with uh, rejection and dealing with no's and dealing with people that don't support you. How did you get in the mindset to keep the, the, the blinders on and focus on the people that did support you that wanted to build with you? I tell myself, one second. She's a busy woman, huh? <laughs> All right, let me get back to you guys. Sorry about that. I tell myself that those people are eventually going to want to come back around. Like I just say, well, you'll want this eventually. I just sort of get this confident air about myself. Like, well, you say no now, but in a year when you see what I'm capable of, you'll be coming back. You'll want this. You'll be interested. You'll regret saying no. Um, when I offer a job position to someone and they say, Oh, I took another position. I'm going to say, well, you'll be sorry. You'll be sorry in a year. You know, in my mind, I have just that mentality. Um, I guess just being an athlete, you're trained that way. Kind of that, uh, prove them wrong mindset. I love that. I really do. Yeah. Um, I mean, just show them that you're not going to spend the time and energy that they may want you to. And that no is a no and that's unfortunate for them. But for me, I know that like in a year, they're going to be missing out. And I, I don't like the prove them wrong mindset anymore. It's more of like, okay, that is what it is. I'm going to focus my energy over here. So when you focus on proving everyone wrong or you focus on the haters, it never ends well. And even when it does end good and hey, yeah, screw you, I made it and I was right. 
it never feels as good as you thought it was going to feel. I mean, they moved on. They don't really care. They never really did care. It was all in your head. I think you can use it as some motivation, but in the end, it's best to just focus on the positive stuff. Don't worry about the people that don't mess with you. And you got to move on. Now, let's get into that, uh, that uh, podcast space because I think it's fascinating because we're both uh, similar. You started it um, kind of similar. You started this year, your podcast? November 1st, uh, so about three months ago. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we both started in uh, 2019 and, and tell me about that journey, you know, like you're starting to create and, you know, put yourself out there. Um, you know, it's, it's different, huh? I think it is one of the hardest thing I've done as a business person is start a podcast because I underestimated it. And then I set a goal. So I did not realize how hard it was, but I set the goal for it and I knew I had to do it for myself. And so I felt, again, kind of up against the wall. I said I was going to do something. I did put it out into the public. I wanted to follow through, but this is so hard. I had a very difficult time. I mean, Audrey Off the Cuff was supposed to be me driving home from work after a series of therapy sessions, just going off the cuff about the things that I've seen that day, some feedback and ideas for audiences based on the experiences I had that day with a variety of clients, just coming out of my mind, just whatever is top of mind. And the audio was bad. The content wasn't good. I didn't like it. So I was like, okay, what's my next best step? So I transcribed them through Scribby and I read what I was saying. I liked what I was saying, tweaked it, and then read it on audio, recorded it, listened to it, still hated it. So I'm just going through these trials and errors. And typically I can figure something out pretty fast. I can usually figure out my way around things. This one I couldn't. I mean, everything was a dead end and I was just annoyed, sick of it. Um, I took a break from it, but I promised myself I was going to get back to it. And then one day I thought, well, I'm good at therapy. I'm good at talking to people. I'm good at disarming people. What if I just did that on a podcast and it wasn't just me talking into a mic? It sounds obvious now, but it took me six months to really realize that what I had to do to mentally prepare myself for putting myself out there in the way that I do unfiltered was that I had to take a break from seeing clients so that I knew that whatever I was saying on air, whatever I was thinking, feeling, whatever I was going through, I wasn't going to have active clients listening to it and then having their own feelings about me outside of the therapy session that would impact the therapy session because there's a lot that goes into how people project onto a therapist and I didn't want to mess up their treatment for what I was doing publicly. So I actually stopped seeing a caseload of people to do this podcast. I mean, like my investment was really big, but for me going public has been very therapeutic because I have softened my voice and dampened myself to be a blank slated therapist for many people. And I think it was kind of hurting my spirit a little bit. So going public and getting such a positive feedback, like the reviews, the downloads are enormously bigger than I had expected. And it's just validating to know that a year of, you know, just searching finally paid off in a validation of people being like, Oh, I learned so many aha moments listening to you. I met someone because of you. I thought about something different than you. I read this book you recommended. I mean, that is improving people's lives and it's just not one-on-one anymore. It's public and simply be as public in many different ways. So I'm just really 
excited to have this podcast platform to kind of give me this voice that I think people have said that they've liked and appreciated and I want to keep doing it. Yeah, you nailed it on, on the head right there. Um, we talked beforehand about kind of monetary and, and what you like get from a, a podcast. We haven't monetized anything on this, but the amount of value we've gotten from building relationships, networking, people hitting us up, be like, wow, I read this book because I heard on there or I connected with that person. Um, it's really fulfilling, you know what I mean? And, and it's really, we talk about it all the time, me and Jake, about the difference between producing and consuming. And it, it goes back to the, the instant gratification versus long-term satisfaction, you know what I mean? And you're actually creating, you're actually making a difference in someone's life. And uh, I think that's way more valuable than money. Obviously you got to survive and all that, but that's neat that uh, we, we, we connect or we're similar in that aspect. Now, what, what has been the biggest thing you've learned from having these guests on, from creating this podcast, you know, learn about yourself, learn about, you know, creating. I mean, the biggest, you said, what's the biggest thing I've learned? Yeah. Through the process of creating your own podcast, creating your own content. The power of manifesting and intentions. Now I'm an evidence-based therapist. I'm going to read academic articles and books. I'm going to be very clinically heavy. The idea of manifesting and setting intentions like out into the world is very woo-woo. It's very hard for me to talk about. If I talk about it amongst my colleagues, half of them will roll their eyes. The other half will be like, yeah, you know, kind of joining that circle. But for me, I believe in talking about anything and everything that is included in mental health mindset, mental wellness, so that then I help people and then somehow the world pays me back. And it is free. This podcast is free, but I get paid back through right now friendships. I like in this moment, literally, I just got an Instagram message from one of my people that I interviewed on one of my first few uh, shows. And she just basically said like, you know, I'm in this, you know, place right now. I'm really struggling, da, 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 you know, and now she's asking for a referral for something. And it's like, I only met her through a podcast and now I can provide her a referral that could change her life. So that to me, I just got paid back by the universe talking to you about my podcast, getting messaged by someone that I interviewed that I don't know otherwise and building this thing. I mean, to me, like my heart is so full and there's not a dollar that's been exchanged. Yeah, it's crazy. The more you give, the more you receive, the more you put out in the universe, you know, it comes back to you, the whole manifestation, all that. And I, I've been deep into that, you know, the wacko stuff for a long time now. And uh, every once in a while, you're like, damn, like, you know, is this cuckoo? You know, like the doctors over here are laughing at it and this and that. But I'll tell you what really changed my mind. I was in a, a coffee shop freak accident, like why I was, or not a coffee shop, a cigar lounge. The reason I was there that day, I shouldn't have been there. And I met a dude in there and he ended up being uh, Sanjeev Chopra, who's Deepak's brother. And Sanjeev was uh, um, the dean at uh, Harvard Medical School. And we started chatting about affirmations, manifestation, energy, and all this stuff that Western medicine's not about, right? And he was all about it. He said, no, I totally, I buy into all this stuff. And this is the dude that's, you know, liver guy expert and all that. And, and when he said that, I was like, okay, I might be in some good company here talking about this stuff, but it's true. And it, I think as the more you see, the more you experience and, and do and you start realizing that there's so much we don't understand. You got to keep an open mind to this stuff because it could make a big difference in your life. Yeah. You got to look up and research the vagal theory, the vagal nerve theory. And it talks about how your 
your body's wired from the day you're born for connection and for warmth and compassion. And the more you get that, the more that your vagal nerve, which is literally down your body and through, sends messages to your body, the more that you're connected and the more that you're sort of manifesting. So connection and manifesting are the same thing. Like right now I'm manifesting these things to you, but I'm also connecting to you. That hits my vagal nervous system. That makes me feel safer and happier. So then I'm more likely to act from a place of safety and happiness. And then my next meeting, I'm going to go into that meeting feeling safe and happy. And that's not woo-woo. That's actually the vagal theory. And in my practice, we are consulting with an expert that's helping us understand this theory so we can go give this to our clients. And when you research it and find someone who can put it in a nice context, it is so simple and so logical that you then can reflect and say, okay, I'm not connected right now. I'm feeling cold. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. I'm feeling a little, you know, depersonalized. That's because your vagal system is shutting down into a retreat system. And so you then know that, and then you go find a connection and then you turn your vagal system back on. So it's like turning the lights back on in a house instead of them off. And you also don't want them flickering. Like you want your lights on and steady And if you're anxious, they flicker. And if you're depressed, they're off. And the vagal system is basically like that in a nutshell. Wait, so there's like bad energy if I don't like someone? Like if I don't like Jake right now, I gotta get rid of that energy? So if you don't like Jake right now, what happens is that you might shut off your lights and disconnect completely, or you might get anxious and like your vagal system will start getting anxious and like fluttering. So you might just get, you might be getting like a rapid heart, a shaky foot. You might begin to do something manage that that anxiety everyone has a different reaction to those triggers so jake's triggering you for some reason we don't know why we would figure that out and then we'd figure out why you're being that way but like it's the body it's not just head up it's really really not head up and that's why we have wellness programs here we have fitness nutrition yoga we do everything to people's lives yeah it's so connected so basically that feeling manifest into physical symptoms and around everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Four-year-olds have stomach aches every time they're anxious to go to school or people have irritable bowel syndrome. People have um, GI issues because really in the gut is where you're producing a lot of things like hormones and, you know, cortisol and things that are being sent to the brain and the Western world just thinks we are head up. And so psychology and mental health is still very Western and so some of the things that I'm doing is not completely unusual, but in a private practice for therapy, you typically don't see a wellness division. So we're trying to create a wellness division conjoined with a mental health division. There's been a lot of research recently about um, gut bacteria and depression and anxiety and all that. That's come out. I've been yeah. kind of peeking into it. Um, okay, I got a question. Uh, and one of the reasons we were talking is the, um, your podcast is focused with just women. And uh, I'm like, Hey, you know, I, we got girls that listen uh, to, to our podcast. And I thought that maybe this would be a nice supplement podcast because they can't forget ours. But, uh, why is that? Do you not, uh, is your vagal system not connect to, to us dudes or what? <laughs> you sound like my husband. He gives me such a hard time and we're furnishing an office right now. And we're debating between a pink couch and a white couch because the message is how feminine are we going? Simply be treats men and boys and women and girls. So it's 
a hard balance as an entrepreneur to have a passion for one thing and do that one thing. And then you see your business transforms into that. And it's this, it's this balance or not even a balance, but it's this like decision of, I really like talking to women about women's issues because it just feels easy. And I have male clients. I have male entrepreneur clients. I have high school adolescents, like, and they get, they and I get along really, really well. But for me, I, I guess I just tend to want to talk about the things that I'm living through right now. And I'm living through being a mom and a wife and a female business owner. And the podcast is cathartic for me too. Like I want it to be like, I'm sitting around having a cup of coffee with my best friend and my best friends are women. And that's just why I've been doing that. But people might be surprised to know that I have male clients. I bet they would be surprised to know that. Um, but it's just, I don't know, because I can do whatever I want on the podcast. There's no rules. I've just chosen to do that. But gosh, you and my husband, like he gives me such a hard time about it. No, I think it's, it goes back to your 80, 20 rule too. You're focusing on like a target market and you're just that's what you're good at. You're building it and, and it's uh, unique, you know, 22 laws of uh, marketing. It's a great book. Everyone should check out. But um, uh, I think you said something neat about you at the coffee shop or you talking with your girls. Like that's how you want to kind of like uh, record. And uh, Tim Ferriss, he talked about this when he wrote the four hour work week. And this is like a famous like writing thing. Don't write like you're going to write a book for a million people, write a book, to like your five best friends. That's how you should write. And that'll connect with way more people. But if you try pleasing everyone or connecting with everyone, it's, it'll come out ugly. Like focus on that, that, that little piece. You heard that? Yeah, I have heard that. And I actually, so I'm currently writing, I've got, you know, I think like 30 page on Google docs right now of just things I've been writing for the last month. And I am writing to myself and I'm talking to myself in a third person. So for me, it's just, if I'm a therapist and I think I have something good to say, one, it's like therapeutic for me to hear my own advice. And two, whenever I cut and paste it and put it on social, those are my most popular posts. So I've just been sort of playing around a little bit with like sharing little pieces as I'm going along. And I'm at 30 pages now. And I told myself like, I'm not going to publish it for a very, very, very long time so that I don't feel any pressure. Cause once I put a timeline on something, like I did the podcast, I tend to kind of panic and overproduce artificially. And so for me, I'm like, the book has no timeline. It's just me talking to myself. And basically what it is, is like, someone's quitting on you. That's my topic. And then I just write until I feel satisfied. And then I say, these are the three things that are going to help you. Or these are the three things that are helping you in this moment as a therapist, as a woman. And then I'm done. It could be 500 words. It could be 700 words. And then the next night when I'm lying in bed, I'm like, the next thing is, when you feel like you want to quit and then I just go, I don't know, maybe someone out there can edit it and make it look and sound a lot better, but like, that's how I'm writing and I'm writing to myself. So it's a very present feeling pretty much. You're, you're living in the now. Yeah. It's pretty raw. I mean, sometimes it feels pretty like intense and low. Sometimes it's very like hyped and energetic. So it is very like all the ups and the downs. I mean, I read people and they're like always like coaching, like Rachel Hollis is like, always coaching. She's always on a high. Like if you're a woman in the business space, you're probably listening to her. You're probably listening to Jenna Kutcher. Like these are the certain women like Jasmine, Jasmine star. But for me, it's like, I need the highs, the lows, the reels, the 
all of the things. And I just can't be a coach all the time. Like I just need to be like low sometimes. Like I, I want, I wished I was her for a hot second. And then I was like, Oh, I'm just not, I'm just not a hype coach. I'm not. It can't be something you're not. Um, I, I, I want to bring up this point you made. Um, you started testing new content. So you started doing like writing yourself and, it, and it's doing well on the, the post and all that. It's kind of like A-B testing. Have you heard of that? Uh, Scott Adams really preaches it. And we try to do it, you know, tweak up different things, see what works, see what doesn't. Um, what do you think about that? A-B testing and then, you know, getting responses from people. Like, you know, if I get likes on this or likes on that, besides just doing what you feel is right, not trying to appease everyone. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think you need to know what you're going for and just focus on it as either a business test if you're in business. So if I'm testing something and one gets less likes than the other, it's literally a beta test, AB test. It's not a personal attack on me. Um, if you're going to take these things personal, then I would say that you would need to do a mindset shift because the posts and the comments and all of that, it's not for popularity. It's just for me to be like, how many lives are responding to this? And if it's 50 lives, okay, not so great. If it's 120 lives, okay, better than 50. Like, it's not about being popular and liked. Um, it's just about how many people, and it's, for me, it's the levers, the buttons, the twitches, the things as being an entrepreneur that makes me love that. And I don't take that personal at all. I mean, you can't be a boss of 10 women and helping the community that you live in if you're going to take everything personal because that will get to you really fast. So I would say that you just have to know yourself. Yeah, I like that. And it's in order to grow as well. You're, if, you take, if you start taking it personal, you're not gonna grow, you're gonna shut down. And so I think it's necessary to do the baby testing is the only way to grow. You gotta embrace change. Yeah, and when I, here's my tip. When I do start to t take things personal, I set a, a timeline of like four or five days before I go back to that thing. Like if an, if an employee comes to me and asks of something that I feel is a big ask and I get a personal reaction to it. Or if I have a business partnership going on and all of a sudden they pull out instead of sending the email, I always give myself like one, two, three, four, five days before I go back and respond because I know in those days I'm going to cool off and something more important or a different perspective is going to come to me. And that big thing won't feel so big anymore. And then I will go back and I have had so much success managing people that way because when I go back into that meeting, I'm the businesswoman again. And I'm not like Audrey with like a broken heart. Yeah. I like that. And there's, there's a thing called the 48 hour rule too, where before you, you know, say stupid stuff, you know, wait on it. Cause usually it's not a big deal the next day you start sleeping on it and you don't let the emotions fly out. And I have a problem with that because I like to live by the gut and just say what I want and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But it is smarter, especially in the business world. Like you got to can't let emotions get in the way of logic. Um, now you told me you also work with uh, female athletes um, and like uh, mindset stuff and you were a former Division One athlete. Can you speak on, on that in some like uh, exercises or some value tips we can give to our people? Because I assume it can be used for more than just athletic stuff. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I just want to go back to a little bit about like kind of like going off the cuff, like and be a little hot headed, like that, that vagal nervous system, you know, when you get triggered and you want to say something, your vagal nervous system gets fired. And 
what we need to do as like business people is we need to know that physical emotional response inside and we have to take a deep breath and acknowledge it and then tell it when we're going to deal with it. Like we're going to deal with it privately in the next room. We're going to deal with it tonight when we talk to our parents about something like we're not going to, we're not going to act on this vagal theory or we're not going to act on this like visceral reaction. We're going to take care of it. And then we decide when we take care of it because a business owner always has to be in control. And so controlling that emotional reaction for a later time and nurturing and taking care of your emotions, but not in that moment will still feel like you're taking care of your needs, but you're not doing it impulsively. So I just want to like, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, um, but then, so Shebe is a female mindset program that really helps athletes cope with demands on and off the court. My partner is a division one middle blocker from Minnesota, the U and her and I have been friends for over 20 years, 20 some years. And we just realized, Hey, like we are successful. We've got great mindsets. We're young, we're ambitious, and we want to share that with the world. How are we going to do that? So again, a business solving a problem. We're well connected in the volleyball community. It was an easy niche to get into. So what we do is we go in and we do um, all day long clinics or two hour clinics, and we teach them emotional intelligence skills, such as emotional identification, emotional control, impulse control, communication skills, and also positive affirmations, growth mindset. So really helping them self-reference, go inside for a second, figure out what they're thinking, figure out what they're feeling, and then what they're going to do about it within their control and just not letting their coach control them or letting teammates control them by peer pressure, but them self-referencing about how they think, how they feel, pause, and then act and teaching them that bridge between like, you have an urge to say something to your coach. You have an urge to roll your eyes at your coach. Every action has some sort of urge that comes from the brain, from the body. How do you calm the body down? How do you calm the brain down before you act in a way that's going to be out of your value system? So just creating a value system of decisions and doing that in a really fun, interesting, dynamic way and being a therapist, running group therapies forever, I know how to run a group and I know females very well. I've specialized in eating disorders and females for the past nine years of my career. I specialize in anorexia specifically. So talk about like high-performing perfectionism, over-controlled personalities. Like those are the female athletes you're typically going to see coming from anxious parents. Like that tends to be a dynamic of family origins. So I know that like the back of my hand and Kelly, my partner is so inspiring and positive and she's like the lighter one i'm a little bit of the heavier one and so we have a good balance and we are just going through these schools who are contacting us and sports clubs and colleges and just doing this nationally she lives in florida i live in illinois so we tend to try to stay in the midwest or florida and then we fly out to each other's states to work um but it's been really successful wicked yeah my younger sister volleyball she's actually pretty good too so let me know when there's one in uh, Minnesota because she gets a little, little interesting on the court, kind of like, uh, like her brother. So, but yeah, um, I bet uh, that's awesome. Now, no hold on, tips. Like, give me some freaking things I can do when I get pissed off on the volleyball court. Like, I just start breathing or what? Yeah. So you should have a reset ritual. So you should create some sort of ritual that you have, like on your uniform or on your body or on the court or on the field that you can access right away to do that reset. So I tell girls to untie their shoes, 
and tie their shoes back again and then breathe while they're tying their shoes. So you create an association between a distraction, a pause, a breath, but it takes less than five seconds. It depends on your sport. So every sport is different. And so your reset, it has to be sport specific. So in volleyball, there's a couple things that you can do. They'll wipe the bottoms of their shoes. They'll untie their shoes. They'll redo their ponytail. Like if you take your ponytail out and like redo it again, you can, um, you can potentially have like an X on your hand and you can look at it and it's a reminder to breathe. So a reset ritual is attached to mindfulness and mindfulness is a way to slow down and think through things. Then the next thing is the and. So I messed that up and I'm going to get the next one. I can't do this and I can do this. So teaching them the word and after some negative thought is usually a quick mental trick too that's going to get them to change a perspective. And old school therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, like the original behavioral theory is thoughts feelings, and actions are a trifecta. If you change a thought, you will change a feeling, you will change an action. And any one of those, you can change any one of those to improve. So if you act different, you think different. If you think different, you act different. And so I try to get them to self-reference and then try to change their thoughts. That's wicked. That's crazy. I've been hearing that, um, that thing all the time now where you say something negative or you, you think something negative. And I do three things. So it's like, oh, I shaved wrong, but hey, today's going to be a good day. There's sun out, and then I have a date later than night. Now I mean, so I do like three different things to try to offset the negative. But we just heard from that the other day by another person talking about, I've been hearing that all the time now. And I think it's really neat. I think it does because the thoughts do become the actions or, you know, whatever they say. But I like what you're saying is that an action can change thoughts too. Like the the... the the pattern isn't always the same. You can mix in different things. That's awesome. Yeah. Like now, if you're, keep going. Like if you're depressed and you're horizontal, I'm like, what's the opposite of horizontal? Vertical, like stand up, you know? And so it's just like these little things of, do you want to stand up? No. Do you have a lot of thoughts about standing up? I'm sure. Do you feel depressed? Yes. Can you act? Can you stand up on two feet? Yep. What can you do next? You can shower. What can you do next? You can turn on a mood light, like here in Chicago, like I tell everyone, get a mood light, Minnesota, like put it on your face while you read in bed for 15 minutes, read a gratitude journal with a mood light. It wakes you up more likely to get vertical. So I am a big action of, it's called a opposite to emotion. Feel depressed. What's the opposite of that? Showering, right? So opposite to emotion is doing the exact opposite of how you feel in a one, two, three, one, two, three, do it. One, two, three, do it and do the opposite of how you feel. If you're anxious, one, two, three, take a deep breath. That's crazy too. Um, hypnosis, they always start with like little things like, you know, feel your pinky getting tired. Now it's your arm. Now it's your back. And then they slowly start getting control of that. And Scott Adams talked about this in Loser Think. Uh, that book just came out in the fall, which you should read. Loser Think is amazing. And he talked about like his proven way to get out of couch lock because he, he's a big uh, stoner. And um, he sits on the couch and he's like, oh, I can't do nothing. But he's like, okay, move your pinky. Okay, now move the ring finger. Now, okay, now you got your hand, now your arm, now your legs up. And I mean, and he can use that for a lot of different things like in business. Oh, I got to do this huge project. Just do one little thing. Then next day do another and then another and the momentum builds. But that's, that's but neat. But that's the vagal theory. Like, dude, like it goes, like the vagal theory is you're immobilized. You act to mobilize to get to your neutral stable. Like, I'm telling you, you are going to, 
you're going to call me and be like, this just encapsulated all my conversations into this one theory. Like it is a mind blowing idea, but what you're describing is literally immobilization to mobilization to your status. Like low, like I'm like, I'm, my mind's blown every time I read it because I'm like, why is this so obvious? And no one is talking about it. Huh? Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely get into that now. Uh, best quote you have. What's the quote you live by? Oh man. The Vago theory is the best. Is that your quote? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, what is the best quote? You're putting me on the spot here. Best book ever read. I was thinking like a quote by John Maxwell, like any quote by him or any book by him. He's just incredible. Who is he? He's the one that talks about um, the 15 invaluable laws of growth. I'm not saying that exactly right, but he does the leadership book. Um, he is the best dude to listen on Audible. Like he just kind of keeps it monotone, very therapeutic, but like every other sentence is like a truth bomb, truth bomb, truth bomb. Um, I listen to him when I need to just ground myself. John Maxwell, right? I think I've read, okay. Oh, developing yeah. the leader within you. Mm -hmm. the 21 rootable laws of leadership. I can't speak sometimes. Five levels of uh, leadership. Okay, we'll get into that. Yeah, I like it. he's smart. He comes from a spiritual religious background. Um, he's an academic. He's wise. And he's, I think he's the most non-cheesy personal development person to get people into personal development without putting them off by some of the, the hypey annoying things that people do. Gotcha. Okay. Pitch our community why they should listen to your podcast. Yeah, I mean, I talk to ordinary women who live really interesting lives, and we say all of the things that women are thinking, but they're not saying. And it's a time to self-reflect and figure out some of your own shit. Now, like I told you, we're building a community here with uh, Bold Perceptions, and we always ask the people that come, on, can, that come on what they can give to the people that are, are listening and part of the community. So what can you give to our people? Yeah. So I just started a email newsletter so I can give them more in-depth inspiration and reflective thoughts through my email list. And hopefully it's 500 words that can really kind of give them a new perspective and not have to pay for therapy per se, and just be a place to kind of start getting into personal development without it being cheesy or overwhelming. I like it. Audrey, any final words here? No, I mean, I think people should just keep listening to you. It sounds like you guys have a way of um, curating a really good, you know, list of hosts and guests. And it sounds like you guys have got a lot of promise. So I just tell people to keep on listening to you guys. And it sounds like you're introducing them to some cool people. Our, our vagal is uh, connecting with people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. But awesome. I look uh, forward to to building a relationship with you in our community and, and going from there. I like what you're doing. You're, you're busy you're doing a lot of things and it, it's sweet to see. I'm glad we connected. Jake, do you have some final words? Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I learned a ton. The vagal theory is the first thing I'm going to look up after this. Very I know. I say it three or four times. Cause you know, in a podcast, you hear a lot of things. And so if you bring it up multiple times, like just maybe someone will actually go look at it. Yeah, it sounds like it sort of encapsulates everything that we've been talking about, like you said. So definitely take a look at that. Very yeah. fascinating. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Audrey. Bye, and thank you.